0: In this edition of Hoopsology, Matt and Justin welcome Lindsay Dargantula of The Athletic to preview the current WNBA season. We get Lindsay's insight into the strong viewership of the league so far, Brittany Griner's return, her dark horse favorite to win MVP, and a lot more. Lindsay was a guest during our early days of relaunching Hoopsology always has great insight and always bringing a great perspective on the WBA really rising within the last few years so you don't want to miss this chat please email your questions to hoopsologypod.gmail.com and follow us on our social media platform for our latest content also subscribe to our YouTube channel we are a proud member of Underdog Podcast and now, Lindsay Angel. She is a reporter for The Athletic covering women's college basketball and the WNBA. We have the pleasure in welcoming you back, Lindsay Dargangelo onto Hoopsology. Welcome, Lindsay.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for coming back onto the show. Really appreciate it. Really excited to um, talk with you about the WNBA since the last time under... <laughs> vastly different circumstances um, during the pandemic. So it, it's it's great to talk to you about this league currently. Um, just a general question. We're, it's real early in the, the WNBA season currently, but what has surprised you so far? Um, just the return of Brittany Griner, um, a lot of super teams. What has kind of caught your eye in the early going of the season so far?
1: First, uh, has it been since 2020? That's That's quite a while. I didn't... Geez, I didn't know it had been that long. Time um, flies.
2: <laughs> right?
1: Right. Um, second, you know, I mean, it was just we just had one weekend of play, really. Um, it, it, I'm still I do weekly rankings that I that I issue every Monday. And I, I wanted to wait. You know, I didn't do this past Monday because I wanted to wait till we had some more basketball uh, under our belt before. So we could see some some of the storylines come to fruition here. Um, but uh yeah, I mean, I guess free agency was was a bit of su- a surprise in that way. You know, seeing seeing players take less money to to play with each other and and sort of uh, form these these quote unquote super teams in the league, and um, you know, and then some some moves in the draft I, I think were interesting. I, I think Dallas um, wanted to stock up on, on the best talent they could, and you know, they're still trying to figure out the the kind of um, rotation, I guess, uh, around Enrique and Gumbale. Oh, Gumbale, let me say that again. And, um, yeah, so I guess those were some of the initial things going into the season, uh, since the season started, um, you know, Seattle I think is going to have a rough season. Uh, I don't think they were able to really do what they wanted to do in free agency. I know, um, Courtney VanderSloot was considering, signing with them and obviously they, they didn't end up getting her and um, you know, it's Jewel Lloyd's team going forward. And there's just, there's kind of a mishmash of players on that roster and it'll be interesting how that plays out this season. But um, you know, they're definitely in, in rebuild mode uh, at the moment, which is a change for, for them and for that city and that fan base. Um, you know, Vegas is what we've expected um new york i think we saw in the last game what can happen with them when you have stewie going for 45 um i think the sparks are are going to make the biggest leap this season from last season um washington to me is a dark horse team to win the title this year they just have a very complete and um solid roster and uh i think indiana you know out the gate they're still a young team but i think they're going to be a lot of fun to watch as they grow throughout the season
0: so super teams, you mentioned it earlier, they're controversial. Some people love them. Some people hate them. What is your overall opinion of super teams in the WNBA? Is that good for the league or um, would you prefer more parity throughout the rest of the teams?
1: I mean, I think overall there is parity across the board. It's just different, you know, different levels. And those levels are a lot closer than people, you know, think. Um Super teams have been part of this league for a long time, actually. The Houston Comets were were the original super team. They just happened to build through the expansion draft um, and just get the right core of players there. And then, you know, the Minnesota Lynx had their run as a super team. Um, and again, they did it building through the draft and, and getting Sylvia Fowles in a trade. Um, so it's not like we haven't seen... Detroit shock. That's another one. It's not like we haven't seen these types of teams with multiple stars on the roster play before. I think what's different about how it came, how it came about this season is that it it happened during free agency. And we hadn't yet seen that before because the free agency rules didn't really allow for a lot of player autonomy and and for players to like sign when they wanted and um, you know, have that sort of freedom. And, and since the CBA in 2020 has allowed for that now, you know, free agency is much more exciting. And then you have this happening now. Um, and it's kind of, it's fun. I mean, how much was mainstream media talking about the New York Liberty and, and then the Aces with, with Candace Parker? I mean, the attention for the league is great. And um, I actually worked on an article for uh, Just Women's Sports that came out last week on on super team and and we talked to um rachel galligan and i talked to uh, a bunch of different coaches gms players former players uh people in and around the league and and the consensus was that it's a good thing it's a good thing for the league going forward and and i tend to agree with that
2: i would agree with that also wanted to get your thoughts Lindsay, on the buzz around the start of the season, always like to ask WNBA analysts, you know, what they're seeing, um, and how the sport is growing each year. Do you feel like there's, there's extra buzz? I mean, no, I know we were going into, uh, the 25th season last season. So there was, there was a lot of buzz going into it. Do you feel like that momentum has carried over into this season?
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, it's just been a consistent trajectory upwards for the past five seasons Uh, viewership going up the buzz the preseason coverage the amount of coverage the amount of visibility the amount of access and games on national television I mean you know looking at the numbers it was the most viewed uh, there was the most viewed regular season game on cable in 24 years uh, this past week weekend between the Mercury and the LA Sparks and then it was the most viewed opening day on ESPN platforms in 11 years. Um, there, I think the percentages was, was 103% um, over last year. I mean, so, and again, you know, if you're surprised by this, then you haven't been paying attention because this is the momentum that's been, that's been happening. And if you look at what happened with the college game and the NCAA championship game on uh, ABC and the viewership numbers were just, you know, blown out of the water that carried over, uh, obviously. And I think it will continue to do so. Um, we're just, we're at a time period right now where women's sports in general is on an upswing and and women's basketball has just taken off.
0: So what is best for the league moving forward? Just keeping with this ratings discussion with streaming, um, a lot of these streamers want live content. Uh, that's really kind of a precious commodity compared to other forms of television, like dramas and news. It seems like sports is that kind of that goal that's going to get people watching their, their platforms. So with the WNBA for the viewer, what is in their best interests moving in the future? Is that staying with ESPN or is that, you know, maybe go into a model like MLS where they're on, you know, Apple TV, where there's no blackouts. You just get all the games um, with no problem. What do you think is kind of the best model moving forward, do you think?
1: I think it's going to be, I think it should be uh, like a cohesive package. Um, all of it, in other words. Um I know that the, the the TV deal, the media deal with uh, ESPN is is coming to an end, and you know I think the WNBA has more negotiating negotiation power um, heading into signing a new deal. Um, the numbers are there. The, the viewership numbers are you know are, are there and, and are good bargaining chips. And I think they have to be very smart and calculated about it going forward. I I think this is—it's kind of a really big uh, point in the league's history going forward. And um, as far as streaming goes, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's all on the table. the The objective is to get more eyes on the game and more eyes on the product, on the players. Again, you know, access plus visibility equals, you know rising fans. And that's, that's been the recipe um, for so long. And it just has taken the league for whatever reason um, they dragged their feet on kind of accepting that, you know, <laughs> but they finally have come around um, in the past couple of years. And they just, like I said, need to be very um, cognizant of that going forward.
2: So you brought up the the college game and in the college tournament that had great ratings, like like you mentioned. Um, how do you see the players that were? I, I guess what I'm asking: Do you see like another foundation of several stars coming in uh, to the league based on what you saw in the college tournament? And what are you kind of looking forward to there? I mean, do you see just? marketability, like in increasingly going up, what are you seeing with, you know, I guess my, my mind goes, obviously Kaylin Clark, uh, Angel Reese, uh, Haley Von Lith were, were some of the big sort of standouts I would say in, um, the mainstream, like across the board, but what else have you seen?
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, you pretty much, yeah, hit the nail on the head there, not to use a, a cliche, but, um, yeah, there's, in addition to the players you just mentioned, there's so many there's just yeah the college game is just bursting with talent right now and it's so great to see but Nil has also played a part uh, like you said as far as marketing goes these uh, players now that are coming into the league already have deals um, with whether it be local to their college um, or even on the national scale um, already have, endorsement deals that they can take with them and that that will follow them into the league and then it could only grow from there so that again visibility um it's funny because i i'm actually doing a a feature story on on a a, a, a legendary player who's still playing right now and we had i don't want to say just yet because it's not gonna it's not coming out yet um but um we had a conversation uh during my interview with her and and she touched on that and how just important that is, because that's what you see in the NBA, right? Uh, the fami- familiarity with the players um, in the NBA and how they create their own brand. And, um, you know, they have all these endorsement deals and the visibility is just off the charts and that's what's happening in the women women's game. And it's really getting even kicked up further with all of the NIL deals that are going on in college right now. And, you know, it's, it's, it's cool for for the players, but it's also awesome for the league because it's just another thing that's going to help continue to grow, um, the WNBA itself. Uh, so yeah, marketing is a huge part of it.
2: And another thing I I don't really want to get into the incident itself. I mean, it's, it's been talked about ad nauseum, but you know, another thing in that, title game, I mean, the controversy surrounding the end of that game and Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark, I mean, in a way, um, you know, kind of a, a weird way to think about this, this topic, but for that to be national news and trending, I, I think is kind of a landmark moment in, in some ways too. Um, what did you see as far as like the reaction with that? And, and would you agree that that's kind of a net positive for women's basketball as a whole?
1: It's a huge positive. Trash talking is part of the game. It's just, there's more scrutiny <laughs> sure. on women when they do it. I mean, um, I was, you know, I'm a Buffalo Bills fan. I live in Buffalo, born and raised. And I was listening to this interview um, with coach um, Sean McDermott. Uh, I think it was yesterday. And he was just talking about, cause he's the def- defensive coordinator this year. He resumed that role um, for the season. And he was talking about how he likes to get the players going and he loves when they trash talk each other. And I'm like, and it was just this thing that rolled off the cuff, right? Like, why does it have to be different for for women athletes? Like, are we supposed to, are we supposed to be demure and like, you know, we can't show a milk motion and um, we can't act a certain way? We can't act too aggressive. Like, it's just a bunch of bunk. And to to see that happen on the national scale, I mean, it was just for people who who had never seen Angel Reese play before and were just tuning into the game. Because they wanted to see it, or it was on, or whatever, to be introduced to her that way, and then and then judge her that way. I, obviously, they hadn't seen her play all season, because that's who she is. You know, that's who Caitlin Clark is. They get their emotional players. They get riled up. Um, they like to they like the the chatter. You know, on on the court. I mean, it reminds me a lot of Diana Taurasi, and you know, she is respected by so many male players because of her confidence and trash talking. For and sure. so I loved it. I thought it was it was great. Like you said, it's a net positive for the women's game. I think it's just it like sort of opened the floodgates in a way to to other things. Like it got people talking about these players, but then it also got people looking these players up, wanting to know more about them. Who is this Angel Reese character, you know, like things like that. So um more of that, please. More of that. <laughs>
0: Um, staying on the college game, I heard another podcast and they're discussing kind of the transition from the college game to the WNBA and how there's a transition there and how it doesn't always go smoothly and ultimately landing a long-term roster spot on a WNBA team. It might go through different paths. And I just want to discuss kind of where I've been seeing year after year with the WNBA with a lot of just different roster cuts with talented players. And just your thoughts on just the league expanding? Because I think Matt and I personally, we grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico, huge women's uh, basketball fan base. I think I've been saying it for years. I think <coughs> Albuquerque would be a perfect spot for a WNBA team. Um, they would support it immediately. So I'm just wondering with the WNBA, what is their mindset and expansion? Is it kind of linking up with current NBA teams or – Would they be looking at maybe a lesser market, Uh, granted, but a dedicated fan base that would support the team just in the future?
1: Yeah, so here's the thing that I'll say first. The WNBA has not been transparent about the expansion process. I actually shared a tweet maybe last week or the week before just about a timeline of things they have said within the past two years that just don't add up, you know, saying that, They've narrowed the city list down to 20 cities and then they said in, in at the end of the summer they were going to make a decision by the new year and then the new year came and nothing was made and then they said they're still considering expansion and then now the list is back to 100. Like, There's no rhyme or reason to it and, and to me them continuing to put out these statements without really having their ducks in a row is just very confusing and frustrating for the fan base. Um and it's it's misleading. Um, so like I said, they haven't been really transparent. So I'm not really sure what they're thinking as far as that goes. I was at the Toronto game, um, the preseason game that I feel was more like a test run. And they sold out an, that arena. And it was incredible. The buzz in the city, the amount of people that were there, the family atmosphere, the diversity of the crowd men, women, straight, gay, families, young, old, like it was, it was incredible. Um, and I do think, again, the league is at a turning point. We talked about it with the media coverage and the media deal coming up, but it's also at a turning point with expansion. Um, I do think they need to expand. I think the time is timing is, is perfect. Uh, I also think there needs to be something done about Salary cap and and roster length, you know, if they could even just add, like get it up to 15 for each for each team, it would solve this problem of the lack of development. Some players like Aaliyah Boston, they're pro ready. They can make that transition. The, The pro game is so much faster. You need such a higher level IQ, basketball IQ, and it's so much more physical. The strength of the players at the program is, is so, it's so much more, um, it's so strong, much stronger and more physical than the college level. So that's a, that's a, for some players, that's a huge transition and they need time to develop how do players develop? You get signed, you sit on the bench, you watch, you learn, you grow in practice. Um, and a lot of players don't get that opportunity because of the lack of roster spots. I think there were, there was what, 14, 14 draftees who were waived this run, this, this, this in, throughout preseason and during training camp and that's there's 12 players drafted in in each of the three rounds so that's more than one round of players that that aren't getting an opportunity and are more than likely going to have to go overseas to develop their game so that's an additional problem um but yeah to answer your your question uh i do i do think that the league needs to expand and and You know, decisions, these types of decisions are crucial to to the future evolution of the league. And, you know, they they need to be made sooner than later.
2: Absolutely. And, um, you know, another major headline and something that greatly impacted the WNBA as well. got a lot of buzz for buying the Phoenix Suns, but Matt Ishbia, of course, the owner of the Phoenix Mercury as well, what have you seen from that change in ownership so far in Phoenix? Do you feel as encouraged as people that I've seen felt on the NBA side?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. I feel like we kind of see need to see a little bit more how this season goes. I thought the way sure. that everything ha- was handled with with Brittany Griner was super professional and um, just really thoughtful and and carefully laid out her press conference was was very well done how it was organized um how it was available um for anyone to watch live not just the media Uh, i thought it was conducted very well um things like that are are encouraging and um you know not being a beat writer i'm not on the ground in in you know, for, with a franchise like Phoenix to really get a feel for it and to see, but from an outside national perspective, I like what I've seen so far.
0: Staying on the topic of Brittany grinder, um, what is your thoughts on her, you know, transitioning into the season? Like, I mean, she's been through so much and, you know, basketball seems somewhat trivial in one end, but at the same time, it seems like that's her her oasis, ultimately, um, just for expressing herself and just enjoying the game of basketball. So um, what have you observed? I mean, I I was way early in the season so far, but um, do you think it's going to take her a little bit or more? Do you think fans of Phoenix particularly should be patient in terms of her getting back to where she was before everything happened with her?
1: Yeah, I love how you put that, her oasis, because that's exactly um, what is coming through and what you can you can visibly see the joy in her um, being back on the court, being able to play this game that she loves. Um, It is her her sanctuary. Um, And I think from what I've seen and what I've heard from her um, in interviews Mm -hmm. and during that press conference and then just seeing her play, the. um, a couple of games so far is that she's rejuvenated she's rediscovered a joy for this game and I think it's because when you're in a position that she was um where you you're you may you don't know if you're ever gonna play again let alone if you're ever gonna live your normal life again like I can't even imagine what that was like but for her I feel like it gave her um she's got a new perspective Um, I think um, on life and, and, you know, on the game itself and it's, you know, it's palpable. You can just, you can feel it. Um, I know in and around the organization, people are saying, you know, physically she still needs time to get back, but she, what, she had a double double in her last game and like scored like 27 points. I mean, to me, two games in and you're already doing that. That's, that's, that's pretty good. Um, I, I did, I would love it because she's never won an MVP award. She's had the potential, but she's never been able to just get over that hump, you know, and really be consistent throughout the whole season. And I just think what a story it would be if she, if she p- keeps playing like this and just keeps getting better as she gets more in basketball shape as the season goes on and then ends up winning the MVP at the end of the season. I mean, that would be pretty cool.
2: Yeah, the narrative is is laid out there. Yeah, right. <laughs> for mm-hmm. it, right. <laughs> Well, you bring up that
0: point. I mean, the, the, the competition is pretty you know, stiff for MVP. How much would, would that be fair for the narrative to be factored in if, it, if it's close? Would that push her over the hump? Or how would that factor in if, they, if it's really close? If we're in a kind of in the NBA equivalent, like a um, Nikolai Jokic, Joel Embiid, Gianni situation where it's really tight. And then it's like all these intangibles that could separate it. Like, how would that work in a Brittany Griner situation?
1: Yeah, I would hope that it would remain basketball oriented, you know, and, and, you know, you just, you keep it there um, with what was accomplished during the season. you know, I think Elena Deladon has potential to win another MVP this season, Brianna Stewart. um, But, and again, we're only two games in, but, you know, it's something I, you know, I, I want to keep an eye on because, you know, she is right there and, you know, she is the most valuable player, you know, not only on her team, but you know, what she does accomplishes across the board throughout the season. I, you know, I would hope that, and I'm a voter, (laughs) full transparency. I would hope that, you know, what, let me put it this way. So most valuable player is about, you know, what's done throughout the season. Um, could she win for comeback player of the year? I mean, that's, that's a possibility too. Um, and maybe that's a better fit, but we'll see, we'll see what, what plays out this season.
2: Well said, um, one last question for me, I I have to ask because, uh, comparisons are thrown out in, in sports, uh, between players in in a way that can be kind of gross at times, but quick story time. My son, we're, we're not golden state warriors fans. Um, no disrespect, great franchise, whatever. No, no hate intended point being we turn on the TV. My son sees Steph Curry play for, you know, maybe three minutes and he's asking us to get Steph Curry book for him the next time we go to the library. So there there's just like this instant connection that, you know, lots of people have talked about my question being, with what you saw in the college tournament, is it a fair comparison? And do you see with Caitlin Clark, like the potential for that type of transcendence that could bring in a lot of youth fans to the women's game?
1: Yeah. I mean, if we're, we're talking about that, you know, I'm not a big, um, you know, like um oh Diana Taurasi is the Michael Jordan of the WNBA you know I'm not big on those types of sure you know you have to find the male counterpart right for the the female player but what I do agree with in this comparison is the thing I love about watching Steph Curry and what I loved about watching him at Davidson was mm-hmm. what he did on like it was mind-blowing stuff right especially in the NCAA tournament what he would do and I have that same feeling watching Caitlin Clark and I think that's the similarity that people are vibing with men or women fans right is like you get that same like mind-blowing like did she really just hit that shot like it's just you're like you just have to shake your head and 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 he he you have the same response watching watching Curry so yeah and I think kids are drawn to that it's almost like like magical right like yeah. these things that the, these those two players can do on the court and the, the shots they can hit. It's almost like it's, it's, it's superhero kind of stuff. Like it's like they have some sort of superpower, right? Because it's not something that you see every day and not something that average basketball players can do. So, yeah, I agree with you on, on that part. I think it's a, a player like Caitlin Clark in the women's game is, is can have that same impact for sure
0: and piggybacking off of that um just with both of them i think that is not really i don't know presented to you know um younger fans like matt's son is the work ethic and how you know they don't just magically become great players they're they're constantly (laughs) working all the time they're obsessed with the game and i just wish that is imposed on a lot of people that are fans just like you know their work, just the way Steph Curry, his workout routine, just the way I'm sure Caitlin Clark is, you know, working out constantly, and just is in love with the game. I hope that gets translated to younger fans, just the work ethic that they can achieve, what they are, what their idols are doing, just through hard work and obsession over the game, and not just you know watching their games on TV, which is important, but the hard work is goes with it as well.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, it's not like they just go up in the game and then just do it. I mean, they yeah. get up shots constantly. They are yeah. constantly in the gym getting up shots. And I think that's some that's important to note because I think, piggybacking on that, some players who go from college into the WNBA may have this notion that they can just make that transition and that it's just you know like a snap of the finger and it's not you know these WNBA players work out constantly they are constantly taking care of their bodies they are constantly trying to get another edge They're constantly in the gym you can't make a wmb roster unless you put the work in and i think for some players that's a wake-up call
0: for sure Lindsay, this has been a great discussion please let our audience know where they can find you on social media, where they can find your latest works, any other projects you're working on as well.
1: Yeah, I I write about women's college basketball and the WNBA for The Athletic. I also do some work for Just Women's Sports. I'm uh, the co-author of Hail Mary, the Rise and Fall of the National Women's Football League um, from the 1970s. So that's available now. And um, I'm, I'm on Twitter talking about women's basketball all the time at Dark Angel 21. That's where I'm primarily at.
0: Awesome, Lindsay. Thanks for your time
2: again. Truly appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
2: Hoopsology Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best, as you know, in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered
0: tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the ultimate men's hygiene
2: bundle, the Performance Package. Join over 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code Hoopsology at Manscaped.com.
0: The Performance Package 4.0 by Manscaped has arrived and on man is a game changer. A huge shout out goes to Manscaped for hooking Matt and I up with the Performance Package.
2: Inside this package, you'll find a lot of useful items. You'll find their lawnmower 4.0 Trimmer that you've probably heard of before. You'll also find their new Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. You'll find Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner. Don't sleep on those products, gentlemen. Performance Boxer Briefs and a Travel Bag. And... For my bearded brethren, and I know there are a lot of you out there, be sure to check out the new Beard Hedger, which is a tool that makes managing your beard so much easier. 20 different instantly adjustable length options, no more messing with multiple clips with your trimmer. It's a really slick and ingenious product. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code Hoopsology. That's H-O-O-P-S-O-L-O-G-Y at
0: manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code Hoopsology. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. We thank Manscaped for supporting the show.